My next guest is a, a longtime former NFL tight end as well as a national champion at The Ohio State University. He's now a analyst for the NFL and for NCAA football. I want to welcome on Mr. Ben Hartsock. Ben, how's everything going for you? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be on, man. Glad we were able to finally pin down a time. We uh, we played a little bit of tag. You're it yeah. back and forth on getting the same yeah. schedule. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So wanted to get your thoughts kind of uh, kind of like on the NFL and the college season in, in terms of college. I know your boys are they got a Penn, Penn State this week. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big game, obviously, with Penn State going down uh, inexplicably to uh, Illinois last week. It kind of loses some of the luster, but that historically is a, is a really good matchup. Uh, Buckeyes are one of those teams that I think a lot of people after the Oregon loss kind of were, were guilty of like, once you're, you lose, you're out, forget about you. But Ohio State's quietly been building an, an amazing <laughs> – that offense is clicking the way we expected. And defensively, I think they're building some confidence. It's one of those things where it helps – when, when one side of the ball is playing so well, it helps the other because there's less pressure to have to live up to, you know, that defense feels like, you know what, we're going to be okay because they're going to put up a bunch of points so we can kind of cut loose a little bit as a defense. Is Penn State uh, – they, they lost last weekend, you said? or No, they, they lost in overtime or they won in overtime? Penn State lost in the nine overtime They, they uh, only scored like versus, 19 points or something. I was like, they, the under Yeah, it and it's nuts. still it, – it's the technically by overtime periods, it's the longest game in, in college football history. <laughs> but the way that the rules are now, there's been a bunch of debate about uh, – the, the new rules this year. So in years past, I, I, I love the college overtime system. I think it's better to the NFL and it's better than any other way that, you know, I think it's a great way to decide a game, but one of the knocks or the, the reason why they changed the rules this year is it was a Texas A&M LSU game that went seven overtimes and literally lasted forever, hundreds of plays per team. So they want to make player safety an issue. So they, they did it to where you still line up on the 25 and each team gets a shot to score. If you if they both score, then the next drop, next 25, you've got to go for two if you score a touchdown. And then after the second drive, you have to do two point conversions. And so a lot of people are like, well, it's like too much of a, a shootout at that point. And I argue just the opposite. A shootout, the frustrating thing about a shootout or the frustrating thing about the old uh, the previous rules for college was it relied too much on a kicker. If you didn't have a drive, as long as you could kick a field goal, as long as you kick a field goal, you were too dependent on one guy. When you get down to the two-point conversions, at least it's all 11 guys. It's your offense versus my defense and vice versa. And I even go a little bit deeper to say by doing a two-point conversion shootout, I guess, it stresses the coaching staff because in this situation where they go to, well, they run seven uh, two-point conversions, the coaching staffs, you only practice three, maybe four two-point plays each week because it's such a small part of the game. So now there's gamesmanship of how much time during the week do you commit to it? And also within that moment, which is high, high drama. I mean, it was edge of the seat drama. I mean, not a great amount of execution in that moment. The fact that they had to go to nine overtimes, yeah. but for the coach to have to say, guys, I'm, I'm through all of my two point plays. What are we going to do? We're going to do our short yardage package. Are we going to do our fourth down fourth and one package? It really adds a new element of strategy that coaches have to be a part of it. So we're an overtime period. Anytime it's a shootout, it's one goalie versus one player in soccer or hockey. This brings the whole team and really even the coaches in a new way. I thought it was a fantastic a demonstration of a rule that, that that was brought to bring safety, but ultimately it was dramatic. 
It was quick and it was uh, compelling. If, if all the teams had dominant kickers, I think just having it just like a kind of like a basically like PKs with kickers just going farther back and farther back until somebody misses, that would be electric. One, well, one guy that we talked to this week, he said, listen, the, the knock with the college system is you start at the 25 in the red zone and it's not a true full, you know, put them on the opposite 25 like a normal drive. That's what we get more in the NFL. But I argue when an NFL overtime happens, nobody ever is like, oh boy, here we go. It's always like, okay, start the clock again. It's not the same excitement. When, when you start a college overtime, it immediately is like, buckle up. This is going to be thrilling and it's going to happen in high fashion. So one guy we talked to, he said, listen, if we want to try to truly make it a full representation of a game in a shorter fashion, start the first drive from the opposite 25. And if you kick that one, or if you make that one, then the second one start from the 50 and then the third one start from the 25. And, you know, I guess that's a kind of a compelling way to at least all of the different facets of a football game are represented throughout the, uh, throughout the period. But I'm our, but the re have to remind ourselves, they did this to shorten games for player safety and two, and probably the bigger reason, because these games have to be over yeah. the scheduling, the next game, the money, all of that kind of thing. No. Yeah, Cause it's like the worst is, is baseball. Like after the 10th inning, I don't give a shit anymore. Like end <laughs> it, end it. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's insane. So you were um, then, fine with the player on second rule. Like I, a lot of people were just completely could I, not wrap their I, head around. I'm, I'm a radical baseball fan. I want steroids. I want the games to be quicker. <laughs> I want this shit to be like, I don't care about a pitching battle. I don't give a shit about your ERA. Okay, I so, the- all right. So you bring up a comp- when I was still a player. Okay. The steroids have pretty much gotten their way out of the NFL. But when I was still playing HGH was still kind of like they aren't doing, they weren't doing the blood testing that they are now. And we were absolutely certain that certain guys were and, and you know, but they, it wasn't tested at that point. But here was the thing that we always that always frustrated me as an NFL player. Adderall and, and ADD medicine is legal if you have they called it a therapeutic use exemption. Yeah, I so have one of those exemptions. I, got, I have one of those exemptions. OK, so so <laughs> I, it, it kind of irritated me because to yeah. me, that's a performance enhancer. It's true. So it's as true. a guy that was limited athletically my advantage was my ability to focus, watch tape a little bit harder, yeah. grind, know my opponent to the nth degree. Yet it get, allows a guy that doesn't have that skill to, you know, take the, the equivalent of steroids for focus. Yeah. Yet if I were to take any kind of performance enhancer, I'm outside of the realm. So it always irritated us guys that were limited athletically yeah. like myself. Yeah. I always said, listen, there should be some sort of baseline for whatever metric, whether it's testosterone, growth hormone, focus metric whatever that if you're below it you can take enough to get to this level so that at least we're all battling on the same plane no yeah they should like honestly just like no don't drug test the guys as long as they're not doing anything that's gonna kill them just like come on let's let it they feel like the guy's responsible for that like baseball yeah. for me i think you should have one this is what i think they should do i don't think they'll ever do it but i think you should be able to have one guy in the team that can take whatever he wants and then you just kind of have like <laughs> And then, just and like then it's got like an abominable like, snowman, like a yeti. yeah, like you've got like every every team has a Thanos, and then like when he gets up, you don't know what's gonna happen. And then like it makes makes it works more interesting. My other idea, this is kind of like I don't know if it's safe, is um it, the last month of the season, you kind of just um, juice a random player, and he doesn't know, and then all of a sudden his stats spike. And then he's like, "Oh, I can. This is incredible." And but so are you a, is, are you a juice the ball guy? Are you are you 
Would you have let no, the guys mess with no, the pitches? No, the, no, the pitchers are good enough already. They didn't need to be cheating. I need to see the hitters. We, we need to see more scoring because there's no – like I grew up an Orioles fan. Nobody goes to Orioles games. I, I worked there the summer out of, out of, after I graduated to do like an internship, and it was the year the Orioles tra- – I don't know how big baseball fan you are, but they traded Machado, and they traded uh, Scope, and they traded all the pitchers. And they and literally like by the end of the season, I'm like, who the hell is on this team? Yeah. Don't even get me started on the salary cap, the salary floors they can do at baseball. They don't pay the guys shit and they don't really care. Yeah. So I'm really like, all right, let the guys do steroids if they want to do steroids. If they don't want to, fine. <laughs> but if they if they want to, like I want to see a home run derby every game. If not, I don't give a shit. So it's well, I, see, I feel that I'm a motorsports guy. And so uh, drag racing is something that fascinates yeah. me. The fact that a car can go zero to 330 miles yeah. an hour. Like they have taken measures over the years. It's not even a quarter mile anymore. They took it to a thousand. I, I'm kind of of the opinion in that realm that, listen, if some lunatic is crazy enough to strap themselves to a rocket and go down the track, I kind of want to watch it. Yeah. But then there's the whole thing of like, yeah, they might kill someone. You know, like, yeah, but, but I heard, but I heard that the, the, like the cars and like the suits they're wearing are like, they can't like, even if the car catches on fire, they're good. So like, you have a free pass, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. like every time people are like, Oh, I want, I watch if the crashes. I want, I'm like, you don't want to see crashes, but if the car burst into flames, the guy's like, yeah, I'll be all right. I might lose a little bit of hair, but I'll be all right. So it's, it, it's, no, it's wild. I'm not, I'm not a big, uh, not a big NASCAR guy, but that stuff's always interesting to me. So that's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. wild. And with, 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 um, going back to Ohio state, I know, so I know Stroud, Stroud was struggling a little bit. I really haven't followed Ohio State. So I know, I remember the Oregon game. I really lost. Stroud was kind of getting some, some crap. People were like, I'll just wait for viewers to come. But apparently he's caught back up on and he's rolling right now. You know, Stroud is a perfect example of how college football fans are so unreasonably expectant. Uh, I, when I was at Ohio State way back when Maurice Claret burst onto the scenes as a true freshman, was the first true freshman running back to start at Ohio state since Archie Griffin back in the seventies. And it was like, it was national news. Now we live in an era, even with the quarterback position that ever since Jake Fromm as a true freshman starts, Trevor Lawrence, Tua comes into a national championship game and wins the, the, the national championship for Alabama. We have become unreasonably expectant of when you're at a blue blood program, a Texas and Oklahoma, a, a quarter, a, an Ohio state, Penn state, all those, we expect you first year, you need to be like Justin Fields was. And so CJ Stroud was a, is a red shirt. So he's been in the program, but to step on the field, I, I can tell you, you could not have pulled a pin out of my butt with a tractor the first time I walked onto the field. And, and I, again, I red shirted. So I sat the sideline for a year, but it is a whole different ball of wax when you trot out there to that huddle. And now we live in this era of quarterbacks that are expected to come in and just like Caleb Williams at Oklahoma did a couple of yeah. weeks ago in the Red River shootout, like you go do it. it yeah. It's a it's a huge credit to it's a huge credit to high school sports. High school sports are so sophisticated now. I grew up in a small town in Ohio that, that it's it's not the same, but where I live now in, in Georgia, in Gwinnett County, I mean, there's a smattering of of college starters and NFL players that play high school ball here. It's yeah. unbelievable. I don't know if I would have even started in this in this era. And so college sports is so dynamic and you think about Texas high school football and how, you know, it's, it's bigger than some small colleges, these quarterbacks that get the exposure and the experience of high pressure. And then also with the gurus that everybody has, every quarterback now has their own private guru that prepares them. 
So we expect them to go in. So when C.J. Stroud steps in, Buckeye fans are like, wait a second, you don't look like you're going to win the Heisman this year. We expect the Heisman. What's the deal, right? But the reality is he's a redshirt freshman, and it's and sometimes your eyes get this big. And, and it took him a couple of weeks, but quietly once after the Oregon loss, everybody kind of cast them away. There's not as many eyes on you. And the guy is figuring it out. He's learning. The coaching staff is bringing him along. And the guy's really, really impressive. And so who knows what he's going to become, but he certainly has grown tremendously in the first couple of weeks. And speaking of the intense high school regiments, everybody's obviously talking about Arch Manning, where he's going to go. Yeah. And obviously with his bloodlines and his uncles, do people expect that he is so well-versed in just the ultra-competitive space that as soon as he steps onto the field, he's going to be a dynamo? Sure. Yeah, that, that's going to be the expectation. There, there are uh, Arch Manning and Bronny James are the, going to be the two most scrutinized humans in the United States for the next 10 years. I mean, we're already watching every single highlight, either at a basketball gym for Bronny or high school for, for Arch Manning. It, it, it is hard to fathom the weight of that pressure. I can't yeah. like I played high football at the highest level and, and I was a, a role player at my peak and I still felt that pressure and struggled with that weight. So to be that guy, yeah. it's it, it's hard to wrap your head around. But the flip side of that is I've always said growing up with a father, an uncle, a somebody who went through this path of big time college football, professional football is such a huge leg up because me as a guy that grew up with a farmer for a dad and a teacher for a mom, every day you walk in the building, it's something new and unexpected. Yeah. And so again, those eyes get about this big. So Arch Manning has spent his entire life. Ronnie James has spent his entire life in that world. So there's an understanding of what that pressure looks like and what that expectation. It's like Andrew Luck. Right. Yeah. Like think of some of the better uh, quarterbacks or players over the years, the Matthews, brother, uh, Clay Matthews, you know, his family legacy. Yeah. There's a, I think there's a real benefit to that. But at the same time, anytime you're a legacy player, you have to, you know, that's an unfair world that we live in. That it's the expectation is if Bronny Banning isn't his dad and if Arch Manning isn't like his uncles, which again, not even his dad, it's his uncles, <laughs> you know, uh, you're going to be deemed a failure. So how do you navigate that? Where, where do you, because obviously there, nobody really knows where he's going to go. To me, somebody who doesn't, not so zoned in on college football, was thinking his bloodlines, you, you got to feel like Ole Miss, Bama, and Texas, probably the favorites where he yeah, might go. You know, the thing though that, so I was teammates with Peyton Manning for a couple of seasons and I, I've been around Eli a little bit, never met Cooper, um, but the that family has a really I call it a kind of a proper perspective on on sports it's not just about the biggest team the best brand the opportunity to leverage like they're that family is wealthy beyond your wildest dreams so he's yeah. not trying I don't think they're going to be advising him from hey where can you squeeze top dollar it's not like you got to go play in New York because that's where you become the biggest star I, specifically with college I think they'll look at it in a way that listen where's Where's the best experience for you? Yeah, sure, you got you want to play in the NFL, but you're Arch Manning, so you could you could play at an FCS school, and you're going to get looked at more so than any other FCS quarterback. So I really think it'll be a fascinating thing to watch unfold because I I wouldn't be surprised if it's somebody that we don't expect uh, just because a, a personal connection with the coach, right? Like the Cutcliffe connection that the Mannings have with Duke 
uh, that head coach that coached both Arch, Archie or uh, uh, Eli and Peyton, you know, those kind of things. I'm not saying Duke, but I think relationships matter. And being around Peyton Manning, I know that he he values things. Uh, and honestly, I say it's a more healthy way when it comes to the sport. So I think it'll be really interesting to see where he goes. I had I had Archie on a couple months ago, and he is like, all he is like, Ole Miss to his core. And I know yeah. you could you could just tell this just talking to him. It killed him that Peyton went to Tennessee. It killed him. <laughs> and so I don't know. It's going to be really, really. And then kind of looking at some of the quarterbacks this year, kind of looking towards the NFL draft. I know a lot of people were talking about Rattler in the beginning, talking about Sam Howell. And they've kind of fallen off a little bit. Rattler, I don't know. It's been a spiral. That's an interesting story in itself. All of the major quarterbacks this yeah. year have, have, I mean, coming into the season, it was Spencer Rattler. It was Sam Howell. It was DJ Uyunglele. Bryce Young was the one that that really has the only one that has lived up to billing. C.J. Stroud, it took him a couple of weeks, but he's he's coming on now. You, you know, we've spent a lot of time trying to understand why these guys have struggled. And, and it goes back to what I said earlier. The pressure is enormous. I, I knew coming into the season one of them would struggle. I didn't expect that three or four of these guys yeah. would struggle. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm not saying this is the only reason, but in the world of name image likeness, that is, that was, I know you're going to say something like that. They all got Those big, are, big chicken deals beforehand. Yeah. I don't know. That was something I noticed. I'm literally like, one of them got like Bojangles, two of them got like yeah. raising canes. And I'm really like, all right, this is cool. But are they spending too much time with the doing chicken stuff and not enough time with the football stuff? I don't uh, know I, that it's a, it's a distraction thing. Yeah. It's more so of it's, I, I, I talked about all the pressure. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard to play college football. It's hard to play power five college yeah. football. It's hard to play quarterback power yeah. five college football. It's hard to play power five college quarterback at Texas, at Oklahoma. And, this, and so then add on top of that, the responsibility of being the name of a chicken franchise or living yeah. up to a seven figure endorsement deal, six figure endorsement deal. I'm not saying it's why these guys are throwing interceptions, but I, I will argue to say, it is a new pressure that wasn't there. And every one of these guys has a tipping point. And it certainly yeah. had at some level more for others than maybe some than others, but it's absolutely a factor. I had, I've had a, a John Abraham on a couple of times. I don't know. There's a uh, teammate of John's. Oh, really? Oh, and yeah. Atlanta. Oh, he, no, he's, and he brought up a good point. I had him on a couple weeks ago and he brought up something I didn't really think about. And I obviously a lot of people were talking about how the NIL, the guys can benefit off their own likeness. And he said a lot of the guys that were really gunning for the NFL for the money, they can pursue other interests now. And maybe they're not driving as hard at football because they know the NFL is not their only route. Do you think that might be some of these guys are like kind of kind of bringing the, the pressure down a little bit because like it's they're they're already kind of bringing in some money? Well, last I checked the NIL, it was for every Spencer Rattler and Quinn Ewers as the quarterback that left high school early from Texas to yeah. now the backup at Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, to get yeah. Six, Tiger, Tiger King Jr. That's what I was calling him. Yeah, right. For every one of those guys, the, the average transaction for NIL is like $800. It's it's yeah. not. Now, listen, $800 to a college kids, I'd yeah. squeeze that for a long yeah. time. So That's I'm not beer, saying, for, it's beer for a week. Right. So I don't know that it's enough money to say I'm going to focus yeah. more on this than something else. The, the thing I notice, I believe, about NIL, two things. There's two distinct populations. There are the talented, and that's what Sam Howell and, and Spencer Rattler and all these guys were supposed to be. And then the second population are the beautiful. You notice that no NIL people that aren't really good players are donkeys. It's either attractive men and women. This is, you know, this isn't just sexism here. The, 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 you know, 
one of the bigger NIL people are these wide receiver. And you see this wide receiver from Kansas State. I, I don't even know no. this kid, but he looks like Justin Bieber. And he's no. bebopping to the to, to a song. And I was like, that guy, I'd, I'd throw <laughs> that guy out of the locker room. But we live in a world now that I'm a 40-year-old dude, so I don't understand it. But there's a world of influencers yeah. that you leverage influencer, beauty, with sports those people maybe though for those people 100 percent, yeah do a youtube channel do a you know a marketing campaign that that sure but they weren't going to go pro anyways the no. guys that were going to go pro you know the ones that can make the money are going to make it but the, the real money is still be to be made playing professional ball who do you think of the top top, top quarterbacks for the draft this year the guy i i've been a washington fan who hasn't really seen stable quarterback since rg3 was here i love malik willis and i think he's unbelievable but i don't think he's going to be a top 10 pick yeah uh i mean kenny pickett's the guy that has come on the strongest here yeah for pit yeah he's back for another year has a little bit of a joe burrow vibe in that you know more pedestrian numbers in the previous season goes back another year of maturity good athletically uh able to just grow and develop and, and be, uh, you know, that athletic quarterback that still has that accuracy. And he's a guy that really is screaming up a lot of boards, Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell. Those are two guys that the way things specifically are going with, with Spencer Rattler and Caleb, you know, Caleb Williams sitting him down and now him being the backup, it would be foolish for Spencer Rattler to put his name in, into the draft this year. He's what I expect him to see is, is to, because all of the eligibility, uh, extensions that everybody has rattler can go back for another year he'll go to another school hope that he can have a bounce back year and go that way um but it's 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 not the year that it was for quarterbacks for sure uh you know i mean a guy like brock purdy up at iowa state is a guy that i really liked and there's a lot of kind of working class guys that maybe we'll end up finding a home in the nfl but it certainly isn't what we saw a year ago it kind of reminded me from the onset, obviously not going to be a bunch of guys going in the top 10 of the, of the Mayfield draft when like nobody knew who was going first. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was Mayfield, Darnold, Rosen, Allen, Lamar went 32. Do you think there's like a, there's like a unicorn in these, in the, in this quarterback class, or do you think it's going to be kind of hit or miss? Well, I mean, Willis might be a guy like that, you know, Liberty hasn't played as well this season no. so that, you know, that anytime you're at a small school, you're kind of fighting uphill. Anyhow, they beat, they beat uh, UAB. You know, so, uh, yeah, but like, you know, a Ritter at Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati, right? The uh, the kid from Coastal that everybody's buzzing about. Uh, McCall? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah one, I think McCall. he had one, I think he had one D1 offer. He's a Right. And so maybe one of those guys will turn out to be an Aaron Rodgers, to be a, a, a Lamar Jackson. You know, like the reality is the numbers say that the, the franchise quarterbacks do, there's such a high failure rate. We're quick to say, well, look at Jamarcus Russell and Blake Bortles and all these Christian Ponders. But the, the, the flip side of that is, is most of the starters were guys that were taken high that had the pedigree that lived up to it. But with today's NFL salary cap or uh, rookie wage scale structure, you can't risk as an NFL franchise to not take it. You, you can't afford to not take the risk because whereas back when I played in the era where uh, uh, Sam, um, Brad, Sam Bradford was getting $50 million guaranteed. He, he, yeah, he's, he's incredible. Right now, these guys, I mean, Lamar Jackson's playing on a $3 million salary. He doesn't have an agent. His mom's negotiating for him. Yeah, it's just, it's wild to see. So the reality is most of these, I mean, look at what's happened with Tua right now, right? Like all of these quarterbacks, I mean, Mitch Trubisky and all these things that guys were absolute studs coming out. 
Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But the reality is that the financial loss, it doesn't set your franchise back the way it did pre-rookie uh, wage scale era to miss on a quarterback. And you can't afford to miss on a Patrick Mahomes. Whereas back in that day, where, you know, the, the Browns for all those years missed on all of those quarterbacks year after year. And it took long a long time from a salary cap structure and building your roster to recover from that. Yeah. Did you have a good national tight end day? Uh, I, I celebrated privately. Um, it was a, <laughs> a small ceremony. Did you know prior had. to somebody telling you that it was national tight end day? I, it, this has to be the first year for it, right? Like I, I have no this idea. Feels, this feels like, so this whole tight end university thing started with George Kittle yeah. and Greg Olson. So I was yeah. teammates with Greg Olson. And when, when I started getting buzzed that they were doing that this summer, the whole summit in Nashville, you know, I reached out to Olson. I was like, Hey bud, if you need the, you know, whoever's filling that backup blocking tight end role, like, two thumbs right here. Like I'm your guy. Didn't, didn't quite make the cut. So uh, I, I think that's one of those things. Those guys, those guys can make things happen. I, they probably reached out to Congress or, or the, you know, some sort however you get a name, a day named, they were the ones to get it. And they're yeah. building a, a market, you know, they're smart marketers. So that's yeah. probably what happened. Yeah. That's incredible. What, what do you think of Kyle Pitts through a few couple of games, especially as a former Falcon and he's been unbelievable, especially since the London game, he's been incredible. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, the key with him is how you use him and and they're using him well. And and Matt Ryan, who has that history with Tony Gonzalez of being able to utilize that, those guys in that position and use their body well, athletically, uh, you know, he's a little bit of an outlier in the, to me, the tight ends right now that are thriving, the, the Kittles and the Kelsey's and the and Mark Andrews, they're more of a throwback. They're a little bit of like, listen, we put our hand in the dirt. We'll, we're not maybe dominant. You know, Kittle is Kittle's a dominant blocker. Like from a yeah. guy that was the blocking tight end, I am so impressed with what he does. But these other guys, Kelsey and and uh, Andrews, they're at least willing. Like I, I, I always tell the story of Greg Olson, one of the greatest tight ends. Like such an under appreciated from oh, yeah. the Pro Bowl. Like it's unfortunate he played in the era of Tony Gonzalez and Jason Witten and so many guys that kind of Gates and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was a, a really good player, obviously, as a pass receiver, but had want to in the run game. And in today's football, it's such a matchup league. The, the, the real chess match is having a tight end that you can get enough out of in the run game that the, the defense is put in conflict to say, are we going to do nickel? Are we going to bring in another DB to cover this tight end? Well, if we put him a, a DB in, then they're weak, we're weak against the run versus you know uh, back in my day when it was Dallas Clark and Jermichael Finley these guys that were just glorified wide receivers Pitts yeah. is a little bit more that way that he's not he's a real liability in the run game so defensively you can say okay he's a wide receiver don't even think of him as a tight end that's but the reality is he's so gifted athletically yeah. he can kind of overcome that shortcoming part of his game no, it's incredible. Do you, do you think Kelsey's start, finally starting to see a decline? I know he's been incredible. I, I saw that he's the same age as Gronk, which is wild. Yeah. You know, the things that are going on with Kansas City, I, I don't know that it's so much Kelsey. I think it's just they've been so good and so, like, everything has clicked for them, and now it's not. And they, they've yeah. got to kind of go, okay, well, now what are we going to do? There's an element yeah. of – Everything they threw against the wall stuck for them for a couple of seasons, get a Super Bowl out of it. Yeah. And, and you know, what uh, Mahomes is doing, it's spectacular. But the reality is NFL defenses are really stinking good. And sometimes these unbelievable no-look plays and, and the theatrics, that's what's caught them. That's what's caught them this year, these, these turnovers that Mahomes has had. And, you know, Kelsey maybe is I, – I, 
Kelsey's a fun personality. And I think he's a guy that he's he admitted in a lot of interviews. Like there's times where I'm not, I'm not even running the route I'm supposed to run. And Mahomes yeah. is just like that freestyling work yeah. for a while. Not anymore. Doggone it. That doesn't work in the long run. No, that's incredible. And then I, I know um, Coastal's got a really good tight end this year. Likely. Have you yeah. seen him at all? Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw him one of those weeknight games. He's uh he's, you know, now right now he's, he's, the competition is is pretty glaring of what he's going up against. But the reality is he's going up, he's elevating over the top of people for the size that he has, the 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 ability to bend and contort and shift, uh, and then just have the wheels. I mean, the guys running away from people down the field. So he's a guy that he's going to be on a lot of high on a lot of boards, I think, this season. Yeah. And then before I let you go, I want to ask you, uh, who's who's taking the USC job? Man, uh, everything that is happening in Happy Valley right now with James Franklin at Penn State feels weird. I saw he forgot who they were playing this week. It's almost like he has something else on his yeah, mind. Yeah, he right now he's like he's got a he's a pitcher that's got the yips. Like he he can't say anything right, and, and so yeah, he's he's talking about the game and he's distracted and he's discombobulated and he calls uh he calls it the big house and that's Michigan Stadium. But you've seen a lot of coaches in the past month, ever since USC uh, fired Clay Helton. Luke Fickle, the coach at Cincinnati that people are buzzing about, he put that to bed immediately. He says, I don't talk to anybody. I don't even talk to my family right now. And, I, and it was believable. The guy's got six kids, and he still didn't talk to his family. Jimbo Fisher was linked to the LSU job, and he did a spectacular job of saying, I love what I've got here, like effusive praise for A&M. The, the Mike Tomlin audio this week was yeah, incredible. Was yeah. I mean, that was amazing. Never say never, but never. There's no blank check. There's no booster with a blank check big enough. Like, and so all of these guys have, have shown us how to effectively put speculation to bed. And James Franklin has done the exact opposite from the very jump. Now, I respect that. Listen, don't don't just flat out bald face lie to me. Yeah. But it, it make it does make it difficult for if he is considering that that you know it looks like there's certainly consideration he's either going to leverage this into a giant payday which is hard after a stunning loss to an unranked illinois team or he's looking for something else uh and the other news that came out this week was uh, the agent change james franklin hired a uh, yeah. representation and went with jimmy sexton and that's jimmy Sexton. that's caa big, big big shot yeah, yeah represents nick saban lane kiffin steve sarkeesian kirby smart <laughs> jimmy sexton brings Brinks trucks like he travels by Brinks truck so uh that that happened over the summer it was a little it the news broke this week but it's older news that just uh, now okay. got released I always say these things are never released on accident either the Franklin camp wanted it out the Penn State camp wanted it out maybe it was just a good investigative reporter that brought it out but it was curiously time what yeah. the actual meaning of it we'll we'll find out later but it's absolutely on purpose in terms of available jobs which is more appealing to prospective coaches usc or lsu so we've been having this debate a lot if you want to play in the absolute uh, deepest waters if you want to play with the best of the best you take lsu uh, the sec is building you know people are talking about we're going to realign to super conferences i'm even a little ahead of that saying that no the sec is building a mega conference and everybody else is going to have to figure it out. Like the SEC now owns when when they bring in Oklahoma and Texas owns seven of the ten most valuable franchises in all of college sports. So they're there. If if you want that, then you go there. If you want the biggest upside to uh, 
rehab a, a, a team, a conference, and own a part of the country, you go to USC. USC, you get, you get into the playoff a little bit easier. The path of resistance is a little bit less, but you live in an unbelievably rich recruiting grounds. Most of the starting quarterbacks across the country at, at Ohio State and, and Oklahoma and Clemson and, and all these places, they're from California. Yeah. So if you can just keep those guys home, you can build a juggernaut. You can recruit name, image, likeness, the bright lights of Hollywood at USC. And on top of that, you could be a part of a, of a Pac-12 conference that has been floundering for a while. And you go out there and you basically become the Clemson of the ACC yeah. and hopefully raise the level of everyone around you. Uh, I, I, you know, it, it comes down to what, what, what do you want to be your, if you're building your, if you're writing your history, what do you want it to be? I turned the West Coast into big time football, or do you want to say I went to the big boys and played in the big dance and, and competed with the absolute best? Yeah. And then there's one more quick one for you. Um, are you surprised how Justin Fields' career has got up to a start in Chicago? Well, no, because uh, his, his presence was, was stunning at Ohio State. His ability to come in the way that he left uh, Georgia immediately earned the respect of his teammates, helped uh, recruit guys in a short amount of time at Ohio State. During the pandemic, when the Big Ten tried to cancel football, Justin Fields was the one that he had no dog. Justin Fields didn't need to play that 2020 season. He could have just said, you guys figure it out and I'll do my own thing here. He'd be top five. He would have been top five. Yeah, exactly. So for him to be one of the forefront, the, the face of college football showed a tremendous amount of character. He weathered the storm during the draft process of somebody planted that stuff that he's not a football guy, that he didn't work. And all he's done through all of that is quietly been consistent and reliable and steady. And it's uh, looks like it's off to an amazing start there in Chicago. Still a fresh, still a rookie, still a ton of lumps to be taken, especially within that franchise and some of the holes they have to deal with. But he sure looks like a, a guy from a mental c- capacity has the right temperament to thrive. Yeah, yeah, because they just need to get him an offensive line. I don't know why you cut two starting tackles and I don't know why. I don't think he likes Allen Robinson. It's a hot take of mine. I don't think he likes him because he won't give him the ball. But well, that, that's that's not, that is an underappreciated aspect of uh, any coach or any quarterback uh, dynamic. Is Tony Romo had Jason Witten, uh, Matt Ryan had had Tony Gonzalez, uh, Jordy Nelson, and and Devontae Adams with with uh, Aaron Rodgers. The quarterback uh, wide receiver that relationship. It absolutely matters. I, I never caught any passes in the NFL. I caught a bunch in college because I, me and my quarterback were boys. We were roommates together. We, yeah. we were in each other's weddings. Like that absolutely matters. So what you're saying is an absolute valid point. Yeah, it's wild. But yeah, hopefully they can get that season turned around because the rookies are out struggling more than I thought they might be this year. Obviously, yeah. Jacksonville's had their share of problems. The Jets, yeah. Jets are still the Jets. Um, but and then it's interesting, but definitely keeping an eye on all that, but I do appreciate you taking time. Um, how can people uh, follow you? Uh, keep up with you on social media as well as check out your show on a uh, serious. Yeah. I'm uh, on Twitter at Ben Hartsock, uh, Instagram at Ben Hartsock. I, I even do some YouTube stuff. I'm uh, I, I do some of all of the college campuses. I travel around. I've got a YouTube channel doing some of that kind of stuff, the NFL and college venues and just kind of a behind the scenes stuff there. So you can check that out on all those places, all at Ben Hartsock. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, do appreciate you taking time. Finally, we're finally glad we were able to pin down a time. Absolutely, man. Be well.